Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, Arrow, if you're looking for a great place to find some products that will help your salespeople sell more stuff, check out heyarrow.com and you'll find all the information you need there. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. And Sean's nice enough to come on a couple times a week to talk about what's going on in the markets. And, uh, you know, plenty of stuff going on here, Sean. You put out a, uh, a new uh, smart money report that came out, uh, I think, yesterday or the day before. And I had a chance to listen to the podcast that was associated, associated with that this morning when I was uh, doing, my, uh, doing my exercising. And I saw that you were talking about the climate, and which anytime you talk about the climate, I, I make sure to listen to that. But, you know, we, we've talked about it, um, you know, kind of what we think the winter's going to look like, you know, a million times on here and what that, what that looks like. But there's one thing inside of that that uh, report on that podcast that really caught my attention, and it was you were talking about UV strength and solar radiation, solar winds, and those kind of things, which made me think back to when I was a kid and we'd play football and it was cold outside, and we would take our hands and we would kind of put them up to the sun and you put your hands up to the sun and it would warm them up you know you'd actually physically feel the heat from the sun on your hands and uh if i understood correctly that that power or that that heat or whatever you want to call it that's coming from the sun during this time frame because of the diminished uv uv rays it won't be as much power coming to the through that so it's naturally just going to make it uh kind of cooler out i guess well, yeah, there's, I mean, the grand solar cycle is comprised of two components. One is lower sunspots in general, meaning mm-hmm. less energy going out in uh, to the atmosphere coming to Earth. That's the first thing. The second thing is that um, the actual solar wind, I mean, they actually measure this. It's, it's, like, it's like the wind in a given day, you know, 15 knots or 20 knots or miles per hour, however you're looking at it. That solar wind actually is reduced. So whatever sunspots we do have, the energy from those sunspots is not enter, is not hitting the earth in the same intensity as it would if we were operating normally. And that has to do with the orientation of the sun or as it rotates around its barycenter. We've talked about this a lot, mm-hmm. how you know that's driven by the positioning of the planets. It has to do with the magnetic, gravimetric, and electric forces of the planets as they rotate in certain orientations. And when they get into a certain specific 
period of time, it reduces or it pushes back on those solar winds. And so we showed a chart on our podcast, Casey, as I think you're referring to, where our sunspots right now, relative to last solar cycle, are fairly similar from the trough to the current moment, but that the UV radiation in the atmosphere is way off. Like we are way underperforming the last solar cycle, solar cycle 24. So that's consistent with the idea that um, that even when even with a similar sunspot activity, we're actually getting lower energy hitting the atmosphere. And that's a trend we think is going to continue uh, to impact our weather more and more over time. Right on. Because, <clears throat> I mean, uh, that makes a lot of sense. They could have the sunniest of days, but just don't have the same level of energy hitting the Earth. So, therefore, yeah. it's not going to be as warm, you know, <clears throat> deal. So, that makes a lot of sense. And it, you know, this is a, this is a big deal. You know, you've talked about, you know, going into into September, into October, and then especially moving into October or November, what that looks like. And here we are you know, in the middle of October, and um, it's not uncommon for there to be snow uh, here in the Panhandle of Nebraska in the middle of October. But this uh, this snow event that's coming here across the high plains and um, the northern latitudes of the of the U.S. seems like it's going to be a kind of every day gets to be a bigger deal than it was the day before. So I guess talk about this weather pattern that we're seeing coming right now. Well, just remember the consensus opinion just two weeks ago from almost everyone, I'm sure there was somebody else, was that the drought in the West was going to continue. Forever, is the way I understood it. I mean, the, the, yeah. it's La Nina's, the La Nina's back, which of course no one predicted. Right. Everyone said it was gone. And that we, as you know, we're strongly suggesting a double dip La Nina. Right. Um, but that, you know, the drought's going to continue. Um, and of course, now we're getting, you know, in, in excess of three foot of snow in a lot of different, you know, mountain ranges and, and you know, heavy, heavy snowfall. And then behind this uh, winter storm, uh, we're going to get flooding rains in California, in Oregon, and in Washington State. The epicenter, the poster children for the drought, uh, like flooding rains, mudslide kind of rains. Um, that's going to start to gravitate towards, you know, further into the West. Um, and ever and, and now all of a sudden all the weathermen are beginning to um they didn't see it coming. We're we gotta alter our forecast. You know, it's going the, the drought's gonna go away. This is gonna be a drought easing winter. Um if anything, excessive snowpack could cause flooding. Um, we think the biggest problem as we've talked about before is that there's gonna be a lot of flooding in the in the US during the planting season from snowpack melt. But the West's drought's going to go, it's going to ease substantially. That's very good news, by the way. In aggregate, much better news to have uh, the drought ease and any flooding concerns. And so uh, that part of the forecast, highly contrarian, by the way, is consistent with the La Nina Modokai, and it's consistent with this lower energy hitting the atmosphere that causes this marinal jet stream, this undulating jet stream that allows for these amplified patterns like we're starting to see here that just two weeks ago, no one forecasted. No one forecasted this was going to happen out West. And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, look what just happened. You know, did they, they all get blindsided by it. And this is going to be uh, a consistent feature throughout the winter. We're going to get these repeated cycle, cyclogenesis, bombogenesis kind of almost winter hurricanes, you almost call them. We've seen them before. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and it's, so this it's a teaser. What's going out west is a teaser for what happens when winter really gets going as we've been forecasting by mid-November onward. But it's a good reminder of what's to come and how the current weather models 
and the conventional way of looking at weather simply are not going to be able to see this come. You know, they're not going to be able to, they're only going to see it coming when it's on top of you already. And our job, as you know, as price forecasters is to see it come before it does so we can help our customers take action when the action is good, not after it's already happened. Yeah. I know out here, I mean, we're having our typical change of weather. You know, this is a very much, this is the same pattern that you would see during any winter storm that comes through, Um, you know, two days beforehand there there's, there's high winds. I think today's high wind warning. So, I mean, it could be anywhere between 35 to 60 mile an hour wind gust type of thing all day long. And then it'll be, uh, it'll kind of calm down tomorrow and, that's when it's supposed to start and then you know we've got some cool temperatures like the lows are anywhere from you know 28 to 32 for the next two or three nights if i remember i had to go back and look at my forecast but you know it's a typical winter weather pattern that we that you normally see out here so it's uh it's definitely it's on top of us i guess now so they can they can forecast you know that it's going to happen i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah they they, they can get they can get the one day to two day two day forecast correctly maybe (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be windy. All right, right on. Shocker. Wait, wait. they're going to look outside. Oh, it's snowing. I, we think it's going to snow. Yeah, it's, that's about that's about how it works. That's exactly about how it works. I know. All right. <coughs> All right, so let's talk about inside that same podcast, you talked about the uh, the cattle market a little bit, and you had some pretty strong smart rhythm, or smart rhythm, smart algorithm. Uh, po- low points pop up there for buying uh, buying cycle coming up. So talk about that a little bit. And what you see happening there? Yeah, we we create this uh, natural this um, uh, insider capital flow smart money algorithm that is really structured to measure when there's big changes, either selling or buying in a particular market. We've identified DNA markers in each market that when we achieve buy levels to a certain level or sell levels to a certain level, they have tended to be important turning points in the market. The cattle market, we showed the feeder cattle market mm-hmm. and we showed the live cattle market. Both showed have shown not just buying. We it's parabolic buying, panic buying in the last three to four weeks. Very unusual. I mean, it's just you just don't typically see this happen very often unless there's a certain degree of urgency in the in the in the insiders of the particular market that you're in. Something has got them very excited that they don't want to wait to buy tomorrow or next week. And they, and they want to buy now, and they want to buy strong, and they want to buy aggressively. And then, of course, we always look for a chart pattern to verify you know, that the timing is getting good. And we've seen kind of what we call a double bottom pattern, that the second bottom was made early October. And then we actually went through the neckline. Not to get fancy, but that typically means double bottom completion uh, and in some kind of a right shoulder, higher low coming, and then the market heading off. So it looks to us, Casey, we've been looking for an October low. Um, it looks to us like the low has been made in the cattle market. Um, the chart pattern verifies it. The smart money verifies it. And um, and so if 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 I am a uh, cattle then if I'm a, a cattle producer and I'm you know thinking about how I want to hedge, I, we would be light on hedging right now. We would be sitting back, you know, let the market run. You know, if you put a lot of hedges on, if you made a lot of cash sales already, you know, may- maybe there's some things you can do to counteract those hedges to kind of protect them to the upside. Of course, if you're a buyer of cattle, if you're JBS, not that JBS listens to me, but if you're JBS, you know, maybe they ought to, 
you know, up the ante a little bit and, and, and bring some more animals in. So, so this would be a time to be looking for an important low in this market. And we're pretty excited that that is starting to develop here. So better times ahead, we think, from here into the end of the year for cattle ranchers. Right on. All right, so let's jump over and talk about what's going on with corn and soybeans. Uh, we've talked about the natural gas thing uh, last week and right. kind of some of the stuff we see there. As you take a look at, at moving forward, you know, now all the everyone's clamoring around that there's going to be so much more soybeans because of of the last uh, of the of the report last week and and what we saw there, and this is going to be just this big monumental carry out of soybeans. Um, I guess as you look forward into twenty two in that planning cycle and what that looks like, especially with the issues that we're going to see, um, assuming everything continues on the same path that we're going with uh, planting you know, delays and replant and all the different stuff that comes into that and prevent plant and those kind of things, and then throw on top of that uh, the price of fertilizer and those kind of things, could you see some kind of record price in soybeans and, and or record acres planted in soybeans and, and you know, less corn being planted and um, basically, you know, soybeans kind of filling that void that from, you know, the lack of corn that we see and then kind of, you know, kind of leveling itself out a little bit. I mean, I guess, what are your thoughts there? Well, um, first of all, the U.S. data report comes out today. You right. know, I never try to predict how the market react to anything other than people are pretty bearish heading in this report. Maybe you're going to bounce today. But, but short term, we do think beans need to go under 12 to factor in a larger crop. Now, South America, that's the next thing we look at, right? Right. Very, very good rainfall in Brazil. Start, you know, totally different from last year. Um, part of our forecast that we talked about, Brazil drought going to end, Argentine drought going to continue to escalate. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's bearish for soybeans, right, because they're going to grow another huge crop. At the same time, you know, if, if we have an historic drought in Argentina, then they're going to have a much smaller crop. And the bean meal, bean oil constituents that they sell – are going to be way down, which would be bullish for soybeans. So I think you got to think of soybeans as a yin and a yang. They're going to overshoot to the downside here, Casey, on bearish weather in Brazil and a big and an increase in the carryout here in the U.S. But then they're going to start to say, wait a minute, Argentina's looking really bad. You know, maybe we overdid this. They're going to have a, a sizable bounce. Now, no one's going to believe my forecast for next spring, you know, because it's so outlandish. No one's going to be trading my forecast because they don't. They only trade it after it's, it's obvious it's going to happen. But the way that we see it happening, that even though it's going to be delayed planting, late planting, replanting, all the things that will promote more soybean acres and less corn acres, we still don't believe all the soybean acres that want to get planted are going to get planted. So we think, if, you, if we think out loud to the planting intentions report in late March of next year, we could see it the USDA project a record number of soybean acres that are, are wanting to get planted. Okay. Okay. Um, and I would imagine that a late start to the plant season, everyone will assume even more acres are going to get planted, but then it's going to come a point that the planting season is going to be so disruptive with everything we've just talked about late ending winter, late freezes, lots and lots of flooding that they're going to say, you know what? we're not going to get all the soybean acres in. And, 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 and so we're going to have to dial that back. So I think soybeans is a late spring story. Corn, it's an early spring story. 
winter wheat, it's a late winter story because the post-dormancy for winter wheat is going to be completely chaotic. So I, I kind of feel that the soybean market is going to be the last one to make a move on this crazy weather we're looking at. Um, but when it finally does, it's going to be pretty powerful. But we, but we think it's, it's going to be a trader's market more than it is going to be a trending market. We think the winter wheat market can be a trending market. We think the corn market can be a trending market. Um, longer term, let's just get beyond the, this next growing cycle, though. Remember that renewable diesel is a big trend that doesn't look like it's going to go away for the next two or three years. Big investments have been put into it. Big plants going to be opening up for it. And that's going to be needing lots and lots and lots of bean oil. If, if you just run the numbers alone, just like California was, is it going to require for renewable diesel from bean oil, we would have to more than triple our current biodiesel output from soybeans. Oh, wow. So, so there's the short term, all you know, that we're dealing with. And then beyond that, we're going to have to plant, you know, five, 10, you can even argue 15 million more soybeans over the next five years to handle this renewable diesel demand that's coming in. Um, and so there's a big, powerful, bullish long term story once we get through this, um, a lot of these short term bearish headwinds. So don't lose sight of the longer term. There's going to be a big move. Um, and of course, what does that mean? Less corn acres, right. less corn acres, less wheat acres, less corn acres. So, so when, when you put it all together, if you look at a two-year outlook, three-year outlook, it's bullish grain markets overall. It's a timing issue, though. Right now, you know, I think soybeans a trading market, um, and we should, we, we tr as a hedger, we would treat it as such. Gotcha. It's a uh, god dang. There's just a lot of moving parts right now. A lot of moving stuff going on. Well, Sean, if folks want to reach out to you and get more information about Hacka Financial and what you can do um, for them, what's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We encourage everyone to listen to inter past interviews we've done with you that are on there, with Real Vision that are on there, Market to Market that are on there, our sample reports, white papers, to get a good idea of how we look at things might be of value to your listeners. Yeah, and it just like, you know, there's just so much stuff to look at here. I mean, there's reports out now that, you know, France is making another cut to its wheat crop estimate, and Russia's... Wheat exports are, you know, up again for the 13th week. I mean, so there's just so many little things that just drive the market back and forth. And Reach we, out we, to Sean. We, we, wheat's in big trouble. Wheat's yeah. in big trouble. And and wait until we get to the spring and this post-dormancy thing doesn't work out. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be really rough. Yeah. It's be really rough. So. Definitely reach out to Sean, get his information, sign up for his new newsletter, and uh, and get that, get that information because there's a lot of great information in there that you're not – Honestly, you're not hearing anywhere else. So make sure you make sure you check that out. So, Sean, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Thank you, Casey. Always a pleasure, and I, and I look forward to doing this on Thursday. Right on. So. I'm, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to um, Moving Iron LLC, where you get all the information about the Moving Iron Podcast as well as Moving Iron Summit. Look for that information to come out here in probably the next 30 days. Well, we'll get that locked down. More than likely, I'll have Sean come back and spread his 
his joy through his his great speeches that he puts out there, all the good news he likes to put out there on those on those things. But it's good information. And well, remember, Casey, that you know I don't know when it's going to be, but and 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 of course you don't have to keep having me. There's other people out there who are really smart, but. Um, you know, we are going to be shifting towards El Nino. Right. So everything's going to really, really shift. And so an El Nino in this environment means a whole lot of different things. So, you know, we'll be shifting gears quite a bit as we move into the following growing cycle beyond this one. So, you know, it'll be a, it'll be a totally new weather paradigm to be discussing in, a, in totally different tentacles, you know, that'll be popping up. So it'll be a uh, you know, very different uh uh, it'd be a very different discussion than the one we're having right now with when we mm. go out and speak to everybody. Yeah. So the reason I like having Sean keep coming back to do this because I'm like one of these days he's going to be wrong and I'm going to catch him <laughs> and he's never wrong. So make well, sure <laughs> make sure you check I him can, out. I, I I can be wrong uh, on, on the on the on the periphery and I and I will be wrong in the periphery, but uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be wrong on the on the big picture and that's really the key. That's the so, key thing. It's the big picture yeah. part of it. That's and that's yeah. what I'm talking about. So. Yeah. Listen to Sean, read his stuff, go out and, and you know, just go check stuff out. Cause I'm telling you what you're what you're hearing from Sean when it comes to these weather patterns and these and these these climate models and those kind of things. I I watch a lot of news and I watch a lot of weather and I watch a lot of stuff like that. And the only time I hear this stuff is when on Tuesdays and Thursdays when Sean Hackett's on the Moving Iron Podcast. So make sure you check that out. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go with Smart folks. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher